Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. Well, here's what I wanted to do as we get started this morning. Um, I just wanted us to lift our hands toward heaven just for a moment. If you would, with me, just join with me. And I'd like you to say this from your heart. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you this morning to speak to my heart. Give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive exactly what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. If you have a Bible, turn over to the book of uh, Judges. And uh, Roddy, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask a favor of you. Do you have somebody that can take your place? Or could you come up here just for a moment? And honey, could I have this microphone right here? Thanks. Uh, Roddy leads our our men's group. We call them V groups. And he's also our small group, uh, vision group pastor. And um, so last Tuesday, we did a men's meeting. And it was really powerful and it's a good time for men to get together. But you shared, uh, you shared a vision that you had about the armor of God. I know I'm putting you on the spot, and if it gets emotional for you, I'm here. But would you mind just sharing that what you shared with the guys this morning? <laughs> no pressure. Oh, let me let me unmute it. Sorry. There we go. Just good, good one. Just yeah. kidding. It's been several years ago. I was I was in the church and uh, having a great great service, and I was thinking about how I had been in this church business for for years, nearly over over twenty years, and I had done this and done that, but I was sitting out in the crowd and and just kind of sitting out there and I don't know if you've ever had a vision I mean a real vision how many of you have had a you feel like a really a vision there's a few of you (laughs) anyway I was sitting there and all of a sudden I I was transposed I was transformed and, and I was at someplace else I was standing on the edge of a of a huge field it was like a parade field or a, uh, a just a, a huge field. But there were people all on either side of me, and they were all like spectators. And I was in this crowd, and I was just kind of looking around. And all of a sudden, I heard this roar, and the ground started shaking. And I could hear the roar coming from the left side. And I was trying to see what it was, and I could see some dust and stuff coming. And I... I, I, I <clears throat> Anyway, as it got closer, I realized that it was horses' hooves. And I looked, and it was a a huge army on horses, beautiful white horses. And there was one out front on a beautiful white horse. And as he rode, as they rode by, he started pulling his horse to a stop. And he stopped right in front of me. 
He was on a beautiful white horse, and I realized who he was. He was the captain of heaven's armies. He was the captain of my salvation. He was Jesus. And he turned, and he, he looked directly at me. I couldn't, I couldn't make out his face. I, I, I don't remember his face. I just remember his eyes glaring directly at me. He didn't say a word, he just stared at me. And my heart started to melt. And, and, and I was just, I, I just started to, to shrink down. And as I looked down on the ground next to me, there was armor laying in the dirt. I realized that, that was my armor laying in the dirt. My armor. I looked back at him. And he was still just staring directly at me. I realized that he was telling me, pick up that armor. So I picked up my armor, my armor, laying in the dirt. I realized I had thrown that armor down. So I put that armor on, and I looked back, and he had motioned someone else up, and they had brought a horse no one in the saddle and I realized he wanted me to mount that horse so I got on that horse he didn't say a word he just looked forward and took off and this whole army of, of riders started going so I started going I realized that I was called for warfare I was called for this army and I had thrown my armor down and been out. I hadn't been in the fight. As we rode, I could see him up in front of me. He was beautiful, riding that horse with his cloak, his mantle behind him, his hair in the wind. And as we'd gone for a little ways, I realized that he had put his hand down on the palm of the horse and turned around the cattle and saddle looking at me in full stride and I realized that he was looking to see if I was still there <laughs> and so I screamed back at him I said you don't have to look back I said I'll always be here come on <laughs> come on <laughs> that was an emotional vision he had called me back to his army to get back in the fight without saying a word. And here I am, back in the fight. God bless you. Man, we love you, Roddy. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Wasn't that an amazing story? Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the one that's leading, and that's what shepherds do. Shepherds don't don't use their whip and drive. They lead. They get out in front and they lead. And so I had, I felt to have Rodney share that story. One of the reasons is I was thinking about when Nicole and I, before we moved here to Arkansas, we used to travel with a ministry called the 99. And you might think that seems like an odd name for a ministry. We did too. But what we found was 
that the CDC back in 2006 had a statistic that young people between the ages of 18 and 25, 99 would die a day from preventable causes, things they didn't have to die from, suicide, drinking and driving, texting while driving, um, drug abuse, alcoholism, and the list just goes on and on and on. And so in the production that we did, it was half of it, we dealt with that issue. We showed the end results of poor choices. But then in the second half of the production, we presented the gospel. Well, at the very end of the production, once everyone is done after they've you know, experienced an altar call and they've got to sit down with someone one-on-one and talk about the spiritual condition of their life, they then would you know, had the option to go into a merchandise tent. We had all this merchandise. We had t-shirts and, and hoodies and mugs that said the 99. But one of my favorite t-shirts that we had was a t-shirt that said, be the one, not the 99. Be the one. And I wanna talk to you about that. And that's what Roddy was being as Jesus was turning around to see, are you gonna be the one? Because we're living right now in a day and time where fear is running rampant. Fear is the main engine behind everything that we're seeing happening in people's lives and why people are conforming, why people are maybe drawing back. And this is not a time for the church to draw back. This is a time for the church to come forward and be the man and the woman of God that God that he's called you to be. Because if, if we're not, I'll tell you what happens is people that are not concrete in what they believe, in who they are, in the Christian that God has called them to be, you're gonna be shaken. Because persecution is gonna come. Persecution can look a lot of different ways. It can look like, why don't you have your mask on? And I feel like I wanted to share a little bit this morning um, with you and talk a little bit about us walking in the strength and the courage that we need to walk in. So have you found the book of Judges yet? Hopefully you have. It's near the front, okay? <laughs> I'll give you that much. There's a table of content. No, I'm teasing. Um, you can find it. Thank you, Roddy, for sharing that. Thank you for being vulnerable. We love you, man. We just appreciate Roddy so much. In the book of Judges, Judges chapter 6, and this is going to talk a little bit about the story of Gideon. Judges chapter 6, let's look at verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. This is one of the goals of sin. One of the goals of sin is to bring you into bondage again into a place where you're hooked on a hook and all the devil has to do is stick the fishing pole in a holder and not worry about you, but just look over there once in a while because he wants to be able to hook you so that he can focus on other fish. He's not omnipresent. And so he looks for ways to hook people. And this is the purpose of sin. But then we read on in chapter two or in verse two of the same chapter, it begins to talk about the nation of Midian. And it wasn't just the Midianites, it was the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other people from the east. They would come and they oppressed the Israelites 
differently than what we read other nations did. Other nations would besiege the city until they were able to break through the wall and then they would take you know, the Israelites captive and they would leave the weak in the city so that they couldn't rise up you know, again. And so that was usually how you know, nations would come in and take dominion over other nations. But in this situation, it was a little different. The Midianites and the Amalekites and these people from the east, they knew that the Israelites would plant their seed. They would plant their crops. And so then they would come before harvest time and they would eat the produce. And it said there were a bunch of them. And they would come and they would eat all of Israel's produce. And then what they couldn't eat, they would destroy. And they would take their sheep and their goats and their donkeys and their oxen and they would leave. And so what it did was it caused Israel to be in abject poverty. It reminds me of the story of Bugs Life. I was wondering if maybe this is where Bugs Life came from. You know, because it's the same type of story. You know, they come, they eat, they leave, right? And so listen to what it says in verse six. It says, so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. And why are they crying out? Because the harvest that they have worked so hard for was being taken and given to someone else. Haggai prophesied about this. He prophesied at another time when uh, Israel, all of Israel w seemed to be doing well because all of the nation was living in paneled homes. And so Haggai began to prophesy uh, in his book and say, hey, why are you living in paneled homes when the house of God has fallen into disrepair? And he began to prophesy about this and give a word to the Lord concerning it. And one of the things that he said in verse six was, you earn wages and you earn wages to put them in a bag with holes. Now I'm gonna date myself a little bit, but do you guys remember when we used to take our jeans? You know, when you were a kid, you would wear holes in the knees and your mom would patch them multiple times until you wore holes in the patches. You know, cause you slid on your knees. Mom, when I'm coming into home, I gotta slide. I can't, you know, there's no way around it, right? Even if the ball's not coming, you slide into home. So anyway, so I had all these holes in my knees and they would put the patches on and then, and then after a while, you would just turn them into shorts, right? Well, back when I was a kid, short shorts were the thing. It wasn't these long culottes that guys are wearing now, you know, but it was these short shorts and you would cut them up, right? But if you, sometimes you would forget to tuck the pockets up because Otherwise, you cut your pockets off and then you put money and some of you remember that. And what happened? It went right through to your feet. But when Israel, when Israel was in great distress, this is when they would cry out to the name of the Lord. And so that's number one. If we're going to walk in strength and courage, number one is this. Call out, call on the name of the Lord call on the name of the Lord. This is one of the things that we do in Soak on Monday nights, but we have been praying ever since we arrived, everything that you see here in Vision Church, and I wish you could see the whole family because, you know, a lot with weather, uh, thank God that it's not cold enough to stick to the ground. So, so praise God. We're glad you were able to make it here this morning. But everything that you see has been birthed in prayer. Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer is where it happens. That's where things are birthed. That's where you hear 
from heaven. That's where he shares with you what to do, what decisions to make. It's time, it's time to call out on the name of the Lord in prayer. I, you know, we don't run to the phone, or right? We run to the throne. <laughs> I, I remember when our kids were arguing with each other and their mom wasn't home one day and they were young. They were probably, you know, what, 12 and 14, middle school age. And they got into a, a disagreement and, and Becca ran to the phone to call mom. And Zach said, don't run to the phone, <laughs> run to the throne. Yeah, don't run. So anyway, but some people wait until they have no alternative to finally turn to God and finally begin to pray and to seek Him. Some people, I've heard, I've had, I've heard people say this where they say, well, you know, it just took that person, that person had to get all the way to the bottom before they finally turned their life around. Well, that's not God doing that to them. That's them doing that to themselves. You might be in here, you might be a stubborn person yourself. I know stubborn people. I don't know that I'm super stubborn, but I know people who are. And they'll put something off and, and put it off and put it off until it just gets so bad they have no alternative. I heard about two businessmen who owned this company and they were having very they were having a big problem in their company. They were trying to figure out the problem. And so they were looking at solutions and they were talking about uh, options, things that they could do. And when they had exhausted everything that they knew to do, they did one last thing. And then one business partner looked at the other and he said, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. And his business partner said, dear God, has it come to that? Wait a minute, prayer should be the first place we run. You lose your keys at our house, you know what happens at our house? We pray, God, <laughs> show us where those keys are. And you know what's amazing? He shows us. It's been so amazing. It's a good thing. All right, so it went on to say in Judges chapter six, in verse 12, there was an angel of the Lord that appeared to Gideon and he said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and he has delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him in verse 14 and he said to him, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the weakest in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Number two, if you wanna walk in strength and courage, believe what he tells you. God is amazing. God is amazing at calling things that be not as though they are. He doesn't call things the way that he sees them. When my daughter, I shared last week, went into the fifth grade, the schoolwork got harder. And so she was having, she was struggling in school. And she told me about it when I was putting her to bed one night. And I remember I looked her in the eye and I said, Becca, schoolwork comes easy to you. You understand every problem. You're able to not only understand it, you're able to solve it. It comes naturally to you. You are gifted in school. And do you know she began to change? 
she began to change. Many of you know the story about my mom who had a massive heart attack. When we were riding to the hospital in the car, my mom, we didn't know it, but her lungs were already filling with fluid. And when your lungs fill with fluid, it becomes hard to breathe. She was, she was breathing like, and she could hardly talk. And so I began to call things that be not as though they were. I said, mom, I want you to repeat after me. And she said, I said, say this, Joel 3.10 says, and she said, Joel 3.10 says, I said, let the weak say, I am strong. Why would God want the weak to say, I am strong? Because he is showing them how to call things the way they want them to be, not the way they are. And so my mom said, let the weak say, I am strong. Do you know by the time we got to the hospital, she was talking to me like I'm talking to you. She was so full of strength and her lungs seemed so clear that I thought we might be able to turn the car around. But then I said, no, no, we need to make sure. And so we went to the hospital. The miracle was she walked out 16 days later. Glory to God. But this is why the angel came to Gideon. Think about this for a moment. Why did the angel go to Gideon? Gideon is hiding out. He's, in, he's making wheat, and he's hiding it. He wants to hide it. And so they would hide from, from the Amalekites, the Midianites, the people from the east. They hid all their food in caves and dens and in storage places in the mountains so they wouldn't be able to find it. So that's where Gideon is. So why did God send the angel to Gideon? Here's why. Let me find it in my notes. There it is. God is looking for people that have faith that he can work through. Think about that. The Bible says that God is, is searches the earth because he's looking for faith. Why is he looking for faith? Because God can work through faith. Think about this for a moment. That I, I hear people say this often. Well, God is in control. And listen, I'm not gonna argue that. I mean, ultimate control, God, all day. But here's what God has done, is he has created the earth and he's created a, a, a kingdom of God on the earth that he wants to operate through the faith of people. In the Old Testament, he couldn't speak to people directly. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, doesn't he? You can nod yes, if that's true. Okay. So he lives on the inside of you when you've received him, when you've made him Lord of your life, he comes and he lives on the inside of you. And then God is able to speak directly to your heart. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. And so God wants to work through people. That's why sometimes it seems like things may take a moment to happen because God's trying to work through people. He's speaking to people's hearts and he is hoping that someone will yield or submit to his plan and when they do he's able to work through them but then if he if it doesn't happen if he's not able to find someone then he's got to find another way to get it done does that make sense and so he finds Gideon Phil how do you know that Gideon had faith well let's go back to that verse you remember he said Gideon said to him he said oh my lord in verse 13 if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? He said, where are the miracles which our fathers told us about? And, and did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? So think about Gideon. He's been talking with his 
companions talking to other people about, wait a minute, God, God did an amazing miracle in Egypt. We just need God to do something for us today. There was faith there. And so here comes God. And that was number two, believe what he tells you. So do you believe that God will work in your situation? <laughs> he will, because if you believe it, if you have faith, man, he'll move. I'm telling you, be the one, be the one. Go on, let's go on in uh, verse 17 through 24, it talks about how Gideon then wants to bring an offering. Verse eight, offering. In verse 18, he says to the, to the angel, he says, do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. This is number three, and that's value his presence. If you want to walk in strength and courage, then we need to value his presence. This is so important because there are moments here, you know, if, if this is your first time at Vision, man, we welcome you. But you may notice during worship, we want to provide every opportunity for God to come and inhabit the house with his presence. Why? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is miracles. Miracles manifest, man. When his presence is here, miracles manifest on his own. And I, I, I'm here on the front row. I, I, I worship God, you know, and I get in my personal zone uh, when we're worshiping. And so I'm not turned around looking to check on you to see who's standing, who's worshiping, who's maybe not worshiping, what, whatever it is. Because I, I, I'm not a micromanager. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm focused on what can I bring you, God? Because church is not a time for us to come and receive. Church is a time for us to come and give. You give the sacrifice of praise. What is the sacrifice of praise? A sacrifice is something that costs you, isn't it? So if the Spirit of God begins to move and He begins to flow in here and we sit down, what does that say to Him during worship? Oh, don't slide me down when I'm preaching good. <laughs> you, know, you know, what does that say? Does that say I value what you're saying? Have you ever talked to someone and they're looking everywhere else but you? They might be really good at listening, but what's, what's your perception? They're not valuing what I'm saying right now. Yesterday, I went to the mall and I was looking for a pair of shoes and they didn't have the pair of shoes, but they said they were at another store. And so the lady said, let me call over there and have them put them on hold for you. I said, oh, that'd be perfect. And so she called over there and I could tell because she had already told the guy on the line on the other end three different times, what kind of shoe, what color, what size. Three times. And, and when I left to drive over there, I was going, I don't think he was hearing her. I don't think... He heard her, and sure enough, I got there. It was the wrong shoes. But my point is, is that when we value, when we value God, then when we come in here on Sundays and we worship, see, we, I, I, we don't just lift our hands to be religious, okay? That's not even why we're, we don't do anything to be religious around here. I don't know if you could tell. Um, but, but we lift our hands because we're bringing, it's a sacrifice, now it's second nature. 
when I get down on my knees, believe me, on this floor, it's a sacrifice, God. I am bringing the sacrifice of praise down here on this uneven tile. Amen. All right. So be the one in your worship. All right. David, you remember David? There was a plague in the land of Israel. And David, he wanted to buy this piece of land and, and offer a sacrifice because he knew it would, so, it, it, it would stop the plague. And so this man that owned the land said, he said, no, take everything. You can have all of it. In fact, I give you the oxen. I give you this wood. You can, you can sacrifice the oxen. And David said, made a powerful statement said to him. He said, I will not offer to my God something that costs me nothing. Man, you say, Phil, all I have to give him is, is just my praise. God will receive it. He's not asking you to give him more than what you have. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. All right. So then in verse 25, this is what the Lord instructed Gideon to do. This is very interesting. He said, now it came to pass on that same night that the Lord said to him, to Gideon, take your father's young bull, the second bull of the seven, uh, seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build uh, an altar to the Lord, the God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice uh, with the wood of the image, which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his men and he did what the Lord asked. So this is number four. If you wanna walk in strength and boldness, yeah, we have to get rid of sin. We have to get rid of sin. Why is that important, Phil? Let me tell you something. When God comes and he lives in someone's heart, because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You get born again, he comes and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Well, if he dwells within us, hey, there's not a pool house or something where sin can live if he's there. It doesn't work that way. You remember when, when Jesus talked about when an evil spirit goes out of a man, he goes through a dry place seeking rest, finding none. And then he says, wait a minute, I'm gonna go back to the place where I left. And he comes and he, he finds the house swept clean and put in order. Well, man, that's, a, that's got Airbnb written all over it. I'm moving in here. And the spirit comes and he brings 10 more spirits, even more evil than himself. And the condition of that man is worse. What happened? He was supposed to fill up the temple with the Spirit of God. It's not enough to just get rid of an evil spirit. We have to fill up with the Spirit of God. And then there's no room for sin, right? Man, thank you, Lord. Sin stops. God from being able to move in our life from his presence and being able to come. And then he says in verse 33, it says that the Midianites, the Amalekites, the people of the east, they gathered together and they crossed over and they encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Why did the spirit of the Lord come upon Gideon? Think about what he's already done. He listened, he obeyed, he did what God told him to do. He purged sin from the land. Now the spirit of God comes on Gideon and he blew the trumpet and all the, the Abizrites gathered together and then the people from Manasseh, the people from Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali, they all came together and they all are gonna fight against the Midianites. And so here's about 32,000 men right here. 
But then the Lord speaks to Gideon in Judges 7, in verse 2. And he says, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So he pulls all these people together, and, and, and God's saying, no, no, too many people because I'm not going to share the glory. And that's number five. You want to walk in strength and encourage, give God all the glory. All the glory. When, when my wife and I worked on staff, on, we were on pastoral staff at Victory Church in Tulsa. And at that time, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty was the pastor there. And, and sometimes uh, being a part of the pastoral staff, you would get assigned to help Billy Joe make his exit after Sunday night service because so many people would want to stop him and just have a conversation with him and tell him about their little dog and about their house. And the guy would just never leave the building, you know, and he'd never get home. And so we would run interference unless it was something that he really wanted to talk to him or it was important. And so, so I would, you know, I would get assigned to that once in a while. And I was so impressed to watch Pastor Billy Joe because everybody wanted to tell him after service, that was a great word, Pastor Billy Joe. That was an amazing word, Pastor Billy. That was a good word. That was from heaven. And Billy Joe would always say, his answer was always the same. Glory to God. What is he doing? Some of you kind of tease me about this. They've tested me on this after service. <laughs> Some of our people that have heard this story before, they've given me a compliment looking to see what I'm going to say. But, but what's important about that? He's deflecting the glory. God is the one that deserves all the glory, all the honor all the praise. That's number six. Are you ready for the next? That's number five. I'm sorry. That was number five. I had my numbers wrong. Sorry. Those of you that are, you guys know me well because I, I mess things up sometimes and I twist things sometimes. Number six is, is a very important revelation. I was so glad when I got this revelation, it really helped me. Admit God knows more than you do. You say, Phil, this really seems oversimplified, but you can't, you can't imagine how many people miss this. How do we miss it, Pastor Phil? We go out and we try to do things on our own. We try to handle situations on our own, and we don't even bother praying and asking God, God, what do you want us to do in this situation? What do you want us to do? I remember when Corona, remember back in March, we were having services. We, back then we met at the Apollo on Emma. And so we're having services and man, God is growing the church. It was, we were experiencing amazing things. And then, and then coronavirus happens. I didn't go and try to figure that out on my own. I hit my knees. Lord, we need to hear from heaven. And so we did pause for, for a short time, but I, I remember when the governor made an announcement about, you know, he said, we, we strongly recommend that churches stay online, offer online services, but we are going to open it back up. And I talked with a lawyer friend of mine and I prayed and I sought the Lord and the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, Mother's Day, open back up, open back up. You've been closed too long. Or if you stay closed, you, you'll be closed too long. Open back up. And I said, okay, Lord, will open back up. And I remember I was in the parking lot at Victory in Tulsa and I was helping doing some grocery distribution and Pastor Paul pulled up in his truck. He's a village of son. He's the pastor of Victory Church now. 
there and, and he pulled up and he said, hey, Phil, how you doing? I said, he said, how's the church going? He said, how's it going at the Apollo over there in Arkansas? I said, it's amazing, man. God's doing great things. And he said, hey, are you opening back up? And I said, yeah. He said, when are you open ba opening back up? I said, Mother's Day. And he said, that's awesome. He said, we are too. He said, we're gonna be having church back inside Mother's Day. And it's so important. Why? Because, man, this is essential. Coming together, the power and the anointing that is in a group, a body, when it comes together and we all agree and we all have faith together and we all pray together. There's anointing here that's, that you can't get online. Oh, I believe God's all, you know, you, there's connection that happens. God said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Wait a minute, man. I mean, I believe God can do some things online. I, okay, I'm not gonna shortchange it, but there's a power and anointing when we come together that's not there online and texting, or I mean, chatting online. So anyway, number seven, admit that he knows more than you. God reduced Gideon's army down to 300 men. See, sometimes what we think takes a lot, God can do with little. We may think that it takes a, a big loan and thousands of people and a, a, a genius marketing strategy, but let me tell you, God can do it with one person in 15 minutes or less. God can do it. Pastor Sharon shared with me, she was here a few weeks ago. She's Pastor Billy Joe's, uh, Doherty's wife. Uh, now, now, you know, her husband has gone home to be with the Lord. And Pastor Sharon, I, I got to have dinner with her. So, I mean, I was using that opportunity to ask questions about their story and how they got started. And, and she, she said she remembered the day and the time when they were, they were looking for a building. We were at 4400 South Sheridan in the old Tink Auto Mall, Tink's Auto Mall. And they had purchased that property. And by the time they built out the building, the auditorium, it was already too small. We were meeting in a tent on the property. And so they sold the tent and God miraculously opened up the door to meet at the Or Roberts University Maybe Center. Uh, and the church would be able to meet in there, but we still needed a building for our school, for our Bible school, for daily operations, for the church offices. And so he had talked with the school district because Thoreau Junior High there on 71st Street was available at the time. He'd gone to them already six times. And the Lord said to go one more time. How many of you know after six times you'd be going, I think I want to go back there. You know, some people give up after two times, you know. So here it is the seventh time. And so Billy Joe, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, upped the price by about $10,000. And she said that, that they submitted it. And the school that had been cold as ice up to this point said, yeah, you guys can move there. But here's the thing. You have to have first and last month's rent uh, in full before you can move in. And you have to have it in a month. And that was $120,000. She said, she, Billy Joe goes, okay. So they, they let their people know and they, you know, and they encouraged people to give and they had $60,000. I think, what did I say 120? Yeah, they had a half of it, $60,000. And so they're going, what, what do we do now? And Billy Joe said, he said, we pray, this is God's deal. 
and they put their faith in God. Do you know that he got a call from a woman um, who he'd never met? And she said, I, you know, I heard about your church and I heard about what you're doing and that you're getting ready to meet in the maybe center. You guys are meeting in the maybe center now and that you needed some money for the church offices and for your school. And she said, how much do you need? He said, well, we're still short about 60,000. And she said, well, if you can send a person over, you can drop by my office. I'll have that check waiting on you. Glory to God. Man, aren't you glad when the battle's not yours? That's what I do with this church. When, whenever we're faced with something, I say, well, Lord, you know. You know. And this did not take you by surprise. And we have watched God continue to come through, come through, come through. I'm on my final point. You guys ready? I gave you number six, right? God is the one that brings the victory. In, in chapter seven, verse three, it says, now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful and afraid wants to go home, send them home. And so 22,000 left <laughs> and they get the number down to 300. And here's number seven. You wanna walk in strength and courage. Only take those who are anointed to go. See, as God was whittling down this amount of men, they got it down to 10,000. All the fearful went home, 10,000 are left. And then God took them down to the water and he said, have all of them drink. And I'm gonna show you which ones to pick out. And all the men that dipped their hand in the water, they brought it back and they lapped it like a dog. He said, those are the men. So there's a lot of talented people around. But talent, talent and anointing are two different things. I'm so thankful for Rebecca. She's been playing this whole time for us because she's not just talented, she's anointed. I've watched her in situations where the Spirit of God will move and her sensitivity, you know, on the keys. We've had, we've had many people that have come and said, hey, I, man, you need a guitar player? I'll play for you. That's great. But you know what I'm waiting to see? I'm waiting to see them connect with the vision of the house. And I'm waiting to see what kind of anointing do they walk in? What kind of anointing do they flow in? Because that's more important to us than just talent. Why? Because it's the, the anointing is what breaks yokes in people's lives. The Bible doesn't say talent does that. There's a lot of talented people. It doesn't take much to be talented, but man, when the anointing comes, that's when things happen. And oh, I said that was my last point, I lied. Here's my last point, number eight, trust in his plan. Trust in his plan. Would you all stand with me this morning? <clears throat> Many of you don't know, but when Nicole and I moved here, we moved here because we were asked to come here to take over a church and to pastor a church. A pastor was wanting to retire. And, and, we, uh, and when he asked me, he said, I, you know, I feel in my heart to give you our church. And I just went. And we were here doing ministry. We were traveling with 
the ministry I talked about earlier, the 99. And we had come here and we had done the production here three different times. And when he said that, I said, well, pastor, I'm going to need to go and pray. And so we were taking a mission trip to the Dominican. We were going to be there for 81 days. And I thought, well, that should be sufficient amount of time to be able to pray. And so we got to the Dominican and I said, I'll pray, but I'll give you my answer when I come back. He said, that'd be fine. And I began to pray about it because, you know, you need to be honest. If you say you're going to pray for somebody, my MO is I'm going to pray right now because I don't think I'm going to remember later. So let's pray right now because I don't want to tell you I'm going to pray and forget to pray. You know, and so I, I literally, I was determined, God, I'm going to put this out before you and I'm going to ask you what, what you want. And I began to pray and man, you can go to those little, you know, uh, Dominican cafes and you can't understand anybody because they all speak Spanish. So it's great, man. You just pray in the Holy Spirit and they don't, they think you're speaking French or something. And I'm just praying, asking God, Lord, what do you want us to do? And do you know what happened? It began to grow in my heart. It began to increase. I began to get these ideas and I took my journal and I began to write these ideas down and write down things that God was speaking to my heart. And I thought, Arkansas, Lord, that used, Arkansas was always the end of every joke I told, it seemed like. And, and here you're calling me there. I'm so sorry, Lord. And I had to repent. Now Alabama's the end of every joke I tell. So I just say that because we have a a diehard Alabama fan here. Um, But it's kind of (laughs) true. Them and it's toss up between Mississippi and Alabama. Um, But anyway, so I, you know, man, I just said, Lord. And so we obeyed. We came. I'm submitted to the plan. Lord, you have the plan. And, And I asked the pastor, the Lord said, you can only come on two you can only come, uh, there, there are two, what do you call them? Qual- conditions to come. And normally I'm not a condition guy, but when God puts conditions on it, I obey, right? So one is it has to be a clean give. Can't be any former shadow of government over the church. If you're going to give it to us, then it needs to be a clean give. Secondly is, what's the second one? That was one. Okay, well, the Lord will bring it back to me. But, okay, let's go with that one. So that was the main condition. Well, oh, and the second one was that you need to transition with me for at least a year. At least a year. Because, man, when you come in and you take a congregation, man, there's got to be time there so that you get to know the people and they trust you. And, you know, then when he steps out, it's a... And so we did that. We transitioned for nine months. He stepped out and it was smooth. Everybody stayed. How, do you, how often do you hear about that? Everybody's staying in a church. That was amazing. And, and then three months go by, and now it's January 1, and we present our vision for, for I, I think at that time it was 2017, 2018, our vision for 2019. And we presented that vision. And it was in three phases. We were going to do some expansion in the building that we were in. We were going to expand to a larger auditorium, about 300-seat auditorium. We had three phases. We raised half of the money for the first phase that day. I was like, man, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we're going to to be able to do this. And I get a call from this pastor. I say, hey, hey, pastor. And he says, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He said, what? what are you doing changing the footprint of the building? And what are you doing presenting these plans? He said, you haven't 
you haven't run this through the board? I said, Pastor. I said, remember our agreement? No form, shadow of government. And so he said, well, we're going to have to talk about an exit plan. A week later, Nicole and I were gone. We were let go. And we were, we were just in awe. We didn't know what to do. My family is ready to move. They're saying, okay, Dad, where are we going? And I said, uh, I don't know. Because I hit my knees. I began to pray. I was in tears. I mean, we had poured our life into the church, and we didn't know what God wanted to do. And how many of you know you don't just want to go across town and start a church? You need to hear from heaven. I don't want to live... I, I, I don't want to live my plans. God, I'm fully submitted to your plans. And so I went, I went to Tulsa. I met with a, a friend of mine who spoke a couple weeks ago, Terry Hinshaw, spent the day with him, explained to him what had happened. And he said, Phil, I'm not saying I have a thus say it the Lord, but I'll say this. You may want to see, you may want to test the waters and see if that's what you're supposed to do. Start a ministry, start a church. Do you know that we did? I mean, my family didn't want to. I think I was the only one at that point that was open to hear from God. They just were ready to leave. And I don't blame them. I would have been too if I'd been in their shoes. But I was just praying. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And do you know that God, everything that you see is paid for in cash. We, I mean, God just, it was like we never... I mean, it just began to take off. And Nicole and I were just looking at each other. And one of my, my favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas Carol by Albert Finney. And the reason is because he has a song. He has a lot of great music in there. One of, the, one of my favorite songs is Thank You Very Much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever You guys are going to let me sing it by myself, aren't you? And, and that's, what, but that's what Nicole and I, that's all we could sing. That's all we could say to one another is thank you very much. God, thank you very much. Because you know what? I wasn't hurt by what happened. I, we forgave instantly. Lord, we forgive. We release. We move on. Because if you don't forgive back here, it's going to prevent you from walking into your future, walking into the destiny that God has for you. And so when we... Oh, man, it was so good. Bow your heads all around the room. If you want to live a life of strength and courage, call on the name of the Lord. Believe what he tells you. Value his presence. Get rid of sin. Give God all the glory. Admit he knows more than you. Only take those anointed to go and trust his plan. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.